Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry, agriculture. On this program, we'll head to North Carolina's largest pumpkin patch. Tracy Bottomley joins us from the western part of North Carolina. Jeff Turner will be here in just a moment to talk headlines, and later in the show, we'll test his gastronomic adventurousness. Ag and NC is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Jeff Turner is the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture and co-host of this program. Hello, Mr. Turner. How are things in D.C.? I got to tell you, things are good in D.C., Duplin County, the original D.C. It's all good. I bet you don't see much corn still standing, do you? You know, the last field of corn that I saw was in Lenore County yesterday, and this morning early it was being harvested. So I think that probably takes care of all the corn in my part of the world. Now, Dr. Ron Heininger said that uh, we were a little behind where he thought we were going to be because we got such an early start at it. However, in North Carolina, 92% of the corn has been harvested at this point, 12% of the soybeans. How does that stack up against the country? Well, we're way ahead on corn, 34% of the U.S. corn has been harvested. That's up from 29% at this point last year. 43% of soybeans harvested, 41% soybeans, so a little ahead on soybeans as well. You know, I haven't seen hardly any locally, but I think probably uh, as you get a little farther east, I suspect there's been more more harvested soybeans. U.S. crop production numbers, corn, 15.064 billion bushel they expect the harvest to be, revised down from August and revised down from July's estimate as well. Also down 1.33 billion bushels from 2022. By the way, the USDA pegs corn yield at 173 bushels per acre on a national average. Our crop's local, and of course, there's obviously a lot of corn that's not here, so they're always revising. Maybe we're going to go back up again. Sparse soybeans, also the USDA noted slightly down from the estimate in August, also says the average yield 49.6 per acre. Cotton, you know, it's interesting. We saw a lot of people pivot out of cotton. Cotton prices had not been good, and that's pretty much reflected. The USDA says we're going to have 1.65 million fewer bales of cotton in this year. And the price will go back up, and we'll all jump in and run the price back down, and then we'll get out, and the price goes back up. It's called a yo-yo. So much of the world market affects our market. China's revised its corn crop up, though the said they're going to leave the import forecast the same. Meanwhile, below the equator, Argentina going through its third year of drought. A lot of rain early in the season for Brazil, so that could see a little bump up in prices. Again, we are a world market, so what happens across the pond certainly has an impact. Smithfield Foods announced it will close the Charlotte Pork Processing Plant, transfer production to the Tar Hill facility, not too far from where you're sitting, Jeff. Smithfield employs more than 10,000 people in North Carolina. 107 employees be affected by this closure. Tyson Foods has cut 10% of its workforce at the Wilkesboro plant out in the Winston-Salem area. In the Smithfield case, if you're going to consolidate operations, having land for sale in Charlotte's probably more valuable than Tar Heel. I think this is probably more of an efficiency move. I mean, they're going to move those operations to, to Tar Heel. That's where all the meat is. It's at Tar Heel. That's uh, where all the harvesting is done. So uh, my guess is this is to uh, create some efficiencies. Coming up on today's program, a great example, Jeff, of the word we use. I think it's the most used word on this program other than maybe your name, and that is diversity. (laughs) Well, again, I think diversity is certainly key to any operation, especially when you're dealing with Mother Nature and all the different things that impact 
the ability for a grower to make money. Having a, a bigger portfolio of opportunity certainly is better for your bottom line every time, at least in my opinion. And so we're going to hear a story of great diversity, a family operation that grew from four acres to 44,000 acres in one generation. And that's in radio what we call a tease. That's just ahead on Agriculture in North Carolina. Our program is sponsored in part by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations, lending solutions for farms, land, and homes, personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller, along with Jeff Turner. We're joined by Tracy Bottomley, marketing director, crop manager, and I'm sure he wears a slew of other hats from Bottomley Evergreens and Farms. Kind of give us a quick thumbnail sketch of sort of the history, how how your your dad and mom got things started. Well, my dad started farming and my mom back in 1970, 71, doing cabbage, and he done that for several years, and uh Decided to try his hand at the beef cattle industry in 73, and that didn't work out too well. So in 75, he got into the dairy operation, so he started milking cows. Done that along with growing cabbage for several years. Then in about, I'd say, 1991 or so, that's when my brother Mitchell, he graduated high school at that time. And that's when they got into the wreath-making and the garland business on the Christmas side of things. So home base for you is uh, is Sparta or in, a little in north? Ennis, North Carolina. And did your dad start out with land, or did he uh, did he rent land? How my, did it start? My dad was probably the poorest guy you'll ever meet back in the day when he was uh, when he was a young man, and just basically uh, started off with doing three and four acres and rented the land. And then, uh, of course, as time went on, he was lucky enough to where he had some good years in the cabbage business and dairy business, and he started buying his own land and just grew from there. And so it's a true homegrown organization. He didn't inherit the first penny from nobody, and I uh, just kind of grew it to what it is today. Uh, we lost my dad in 2015, and so we kind of took over the, the whole farming operation at that time. And 2015, we farmed about 22,000 acres, and today it's about 44,000. Wow. Four yeah, acres and 44,000. Yeah, we run about 18,000 head of cattle, uh, big in the cattle business. We sold out dairy back in 2015, uh, right before he passed away, and then uh, we got big into the beef side. And this kind of allowed us to do a lot of the things that we do today, and diversification has been, I think, our success to our family. Uh, we work hard, of course, which a lot of families do, and we work hard, and by diversifying from doing the dairy and doing the cabbage, we've kind of gotten other produce and other vegetables. So currently, we grow about 16 different items, from cabbage, kale, collards, mustard, turnip greens. We do radishes, red beets. Your parsley's, we do cilantro, green beans, sweet corn, we're big in sweet corn, and of course pumpkins. And pumpkins is uh, something we didn't grow until 2000 was our first year, and that started off about five acres, and now the pumpkin business is about 3,000 acres yearly. And your brother's the pumpkin nut, right? Kelly, he's my younger brother, and he's the everything pumpkin, pumpkin guru, so he oversees the pumpkin side business. I kind of oversee the vegetable side of it. My brother Mitchell, he does the cattle and does the trucking side. So we're not only just a grower, we're actually a grower, packer, and shipper. 
tell us a little about that. Now, do you do some direct retails primarily? And the reason I get up with you is, is the interest in how you guys work out the wholesale. You know, we used to sell to a lot of wholesalers ourselves directly, and really that's not the business to be in. You, the goal is for a farmer is to sell directly to the retailer, and I think that's what's made us so successful over the years is cutting out the middleman, and, and that's what's allowed us to grow the size that we are. How does one go about that? Well, you know, it all started back probably in 1998 or so when we started doing – big and Christmas trees and, and roping and, and, and doing our wreaths, um, we kind of got out there and, and shipping direct to Walmart and a couple of people. Next thing you know, uh, we're in Target. We're in all your Home Depot's Lowe's. And once we got into that side of the business for the Christmas, it was just natural to say, oh, by the way, we'd like to talk to you know somebody else in your department to start selling them our pumpkins, start selling them our produce. And it's just uh, going to trade shows and working. It didn't happen overnight. It's just been a accumulation of hard work and the pumpkins are they seem like a natural extension i mean you get the pumpkins in if you got the christmas trees in same contact same people and not so and not so perishable that's correct and see what happens for us we're lucky because you know if it wasn't for the h2a program we couldn't do what we do we go through a lot of people because it takes a lot of people to make this thing go we start planting of course christmas trees in early february mid-february as we start and as soon as Christmas trees are done, and in April, we get into our crops, doing a lot of our produce, and these guys help us plant, and then we get into uh, pumpkin planting in June, and then, of course, June, we start harvesting everything all the way through uh, pumpkin season. We should finish up sometime next Thursday or Friday with the pumpkins, and we roll everybody right into the Christmas greens. The land that you farm, is it mainly around the, the Sparta area, or do you go beyond that, or...? Well, up until about five years ago, we grew everything here in North Carolina. We was pretty much primarily here in Allegheny County, Surrey County, but now there's just not enough land up here for us to to farm. To get the size that we got, we had to branch out. So currently, we probably have 50% of the farming area in North Carolina and 50% of it's in Virginia because we're right here on the state line. Literally, our home base is five miles from the Virginia-North Carolina border. We farm half of everything we do is here in North Carolina, half of it's in Virginia. That goes from all the Christmas trees to all the vegetables and even the cattle. It's about half and half. Florida, for instance. Well, we went to Florida to try that so we could start doing our produce year-round to keep our, you know, our customers happy because they like buying off of one person versus buying regionally and having to deal with this person for three months, deal with that one for four months, then go to another one. And so our goal was to branch out in Florida. And, you know, that's a long ways away from our home base, and really nobody wanted to move down there to really run it. So we done it one year to try to see how we'd like it. We didn't like it. The problem is with the Florida, they're busy in November and December doing certain their vegetables, and fortunately that's that's our bread and butter of our business, the Christmas side of the business, and it really it started interfering with it, and so we decided not to let to go back. How far do you carry things in the value chain? In other words, obviously you you plant it, well, you, you grow it, you harvest it into trucking. On the Christmas side, we freight uh, all fifty states. We're in from Maine to Florida. We ship stuff uh, via containers to go into Alaska, Hawaii. We're in Puerto Rico, so we're all over with that. But our vegetables and pumpkins is more regional. It's anywhere from Washington D.C. south down to Miami, Florida, all the way up to the Mississippi River. Uh, so the southeast is our big area for produce and pumpkins. 
Going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Jeff Turner and I, along with Tracy Bottomley of Bottomley Evergreens and Farms on Ag NNC. Bill Carone Cars and Wallace is the only Chevy GMC dealer in eastern North Carolina to become an AgPAC dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you probably already use, everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the AgPAC program online at Bill Carone Cars or at the showroom in Wallace. Tracy, before the break, I was about to ask about cold storage. You cold store any of the Christmas trees or pumpkins? We don't own the pumpkins, uh, but we do cold store our, our vegetables, of course, and also with our Christmas trees. We probably have some of the largest uh, cold storage areas there is on the East Coast. We currently have about one and a half million square feet of cold storage. What's helped build that is when we're in the Christmas trees, we do something a little different than a lot of Christmas tree farmers. If they cut these things, put them out in their shade cloth, well, you still get in the fall, you can get 70, 80 degree days, and these trees really dry out. What we do is we start cutting in November, and we act put them right in the cooler, just like you would any vegetable, and then blow water on them so they have a longer shelf life, better for the consumer. Hey, do you balance out what you take direct to uh, retail, and then anything that's like an overflow where you got a good year going, you wholesale out? We wholesale out, that's correct. And what we try to do is, honestly, 90% of everything we do is on contract. And then we try to do a 10 to 20% buffer, and that goes out wholesale. Yeah, we use some wholesalers, local and regional wholesalers that we go to with our product. Now, on the Christmas side, we don't. We sell directly to the retailers, and that's it. You know, because Christmas tree is a little something different. It stays in the field. If you, you've got a seven-foot Christmas tree, and all of a sudden you don't have a sale for it this year, well, next year it'll be an eight-foot Christmas tree. Can't do that with pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. No. But, uh, what happens with vegetables, you know, it's perishable, so you got to go pretty hard with it and quick. And, you know, most people don't want to get into the Christmas tree industry because, you know, that you're sitting on your money for eight to ten years before you get any type of income coming back. And it's, 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 that's a hard thing to swallow it. That's almost as fast as the cow business, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a cattle business is about <laughs> identical to the Christmas tree business. Gosh, we do it so big in vegetables now. We do about 6,000 acres of vegetables. You're uh, in the western part of the states. You're a little cooler than uh, than where I'm sitting in the east on a regular basis. Do That's you do, do you high tunnel it? And how do you uh, what's your, what's your secret sauce? Well, see, the thing is, here where we're located uh, in Allegheny County, where we grow a lot of our vegetables, we're pretty much as further south you can go in the United States in July and August and September and be able to grow these vegetables. Other than that, you have to go up north in Canada, or you have to buy the vegetables out in California. So you, we're strategically placed in the middle of the eastern seaboard, so we can pretty much freight anywhere within one day and cover a lot of these contracts, and that's what keeps these buyers happy. Uh, and we're just lucky because we don't, you know, 78, 79, 81 degrees at the most is all we get in the middle of the summer, and uh, it stays pretty cool so we can do these vegetables where uh, a lot of people in the south can't. Cattle operations, are they all around you right there, same areas? Yeah, well, actually, our cattle operation is over seven counties. It's three counties here in North Carolina and four counties in Virginia. We've got a lot of mama cows that we that we do ourselves and cave out, but uh, we also uh, do our own feedlots. We take cattle up to fifteen, sixteen hundred pounds and sell them directly. So, do you feed them out here? Or do you take them west? Yeah, well, no, we feed them out ourselves. And see, that's why I help okay. with pumpkins because see, pumpkins is the type of vegetable you only can grow every other year. 
because you get a lot of diseases in the land. So we grow green corn and silage corn on it every other year that we're not doing pumpkins, and that allows us to feed the cattle. And that's what allows us to be more sustainable. We have hulls, rejects on cabbage or green beans, anything we got, it goes directly fed to the cattle. Nothing goes to waste. Wow. What uh, is yeah. one of the reasons you got out of the dairy industry, the fact that labor's so tough? H-2A doesn't exactly well, work there. Yeah, H-2A don't work there. Uh, we didn't get out of it because of labor. We got out of it because there just wasn't no money in it. In 2012 right. and 13 was a pretty tough year in dairy. 14 was okay, and we decided, well, let's, let's get rid of this thing, spin it off, and, and just put beef cattle in. And that's kind of what we did in 2015 because... God bless these dairy farmers out here. I've done it all my life, and uh, it's just hard to make money. It's tough. I tell people that these co-ops are worse than the mafia because the mafia at least would take some money from you, but they'd make sure you stayed in business the next month, so they keep taking from you. But these co-ops, man, I tell you, it's tough on dairy farmers. It's, it's a tough way to make a living. It's tough work for not much money. It is, and it's uh, seven day a week, which what we do seven day a week too. You deal with a beef cow, you kick her in the hind end, turn her out, and she's good. These beef, these dairy cows, man, they lay down on you, and it's just tough. It's just a different industry. What's next? Are you guys going to start a, a different crop, another crop? Do you see some well, promise and yeah, something we, that may be coming along? We always along? try to add a crop every year, and we always experiment with something. And because we believe in diversity and diversifying kind of add to the portfolio, and we've tried some things and, and not done well at them. We've done strawberries before and went away from them, and, uh, but as of right now, on the lineup for next year, we're going to start growing cauliflower because uh, we're real big in broccoli, and you grow them about the same, and uh, so cauliflower is going to be our next adventure next year and see what we can do. You try new stuff on a regular basis, so don't tell me you've got a, you got a barn full of hemp you're still trying to get rid of. Well, let me tell you that what a little secret about that. We did try hemp the first year, which was four years ago, and uh, raised a beautiful crop. I mean, we got these H two A's, and they know how to do it because they do it in Mexico and had a bumper <laughs> crop. But when you can't sell something or they don't pay you, you don't want to grow it again. So we got out of that business. So yes, we have tried everything. All fan question a bit. I mean, do, if those cooler temps, what kind of insect pressure? Do you? I mean, he, here in the east, because of the heat and the and the humidity, I think. Probably insect pressure, yeah. pesticide or, or, or pests in general yeah. are probably a little greater than they are in the cooler temps. Do you have a lot of problems with that? No. The last two okay. years has been wonderful with pests. We hadn't had the disease pressure that we've had before in the past because of pests. But generally, we're about half the pest pressure that you'd find in South Carolina, Georgia, or eastern North Carolina. And that's one thing that makes us successful less pesticides, less. When you're having to go across your field a lot less than other areas, I mean, you can save some money that way. H2A uh, needs an overhaul, needs some work. Have you uh, established regular relationships? Uh, How do you do well with it? I love what the H2A program is about. I really do. These guys do a good job coming here, work, and go home. problem is the the, the wage rate is so out of touch with society, it's not even funny. And they keep going up drastically. I don't know of any job that gets... You know, a 10% raise every single year. And it's getting to the point where these guys come here and work, say, eight or 10 months out of the year. They go back to Mexico. They're millionaires. I believe in paying fair wages, but we've got to do something with the industry as far as how it's rapidly growing so drastically. And uh, 
we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves like California, pay time and a half, and then we'll be paying these guys $20, $22 an hour. And it's when that happens, nobody makes money. Nobody can grow. Nobody can expand. Not, and then that means we have to rely on foreign countries to supply our food, and that's going to be a problem. Not just out of touch, I mean, on a national basis, but uh, as compared to neighboring states, we're high in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, and that's why I tell all my friends that buy from us down in the Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. It's ridiculous that I'm $2 higher than they are by the hour, which most of it's piece rate, but you still have to hit that minimum. Uh, I have to pay to have my stuff harvested at a higher rate than they do in the other neighboring states, and it's just not fair. Tracy, what questions have we, have we not asked you? Well, you know, I want people to realize, especially kids going to school, dream big, work hard, and honestly, man, it's just all comes down at the end of the day. You know, you miss some birthdays, you miss anniversaries, and you have to work hard, but if you just stay with it, you look like you're failing, just stay with it, stick with it, and eventually you'll succeed. It's a, it's a tough industry, but it's a rewarding industry. When you feed people, it's, it's a rewarding thing when people have to depend on you. Tracy Bottomley from Bottomley Evergreens and Farms Family Operation in Western North Carolina. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. Thanks in part to B.G. Mitchell of Farmers Connection. If you not put a copy in your hand, I highly recommend it. Farmers Connection is a newsprint magazine with information and dealer stocks right here in North Carolina and Southern Virginia. Check out ads from Mark Chesson and Sons in Williamston, Acock Tractor and Stevens Truck and Trailer in Goldsboro, and Premier Equipment. Enfield, Rocky Mount, Washington, and Aden. The Farmer's Connection, also available online. Now let me bring Mr. Turner back in here, because I need some schooling. I read in the State Fair press releases that they had tobacco looping. At the, at the North, <laughs> North Carolina State Fair opened last Thursday, unofficially, Friday, officially, and is going on. Had a good weekend. A little wet on Saturday, mind you, but one of the contests is tobacco looping. This dairy boy ain't done that, Jeff. <laughs> I bet you haven't looped any fluke-eared tobacco. Years ago, tobacco was harvested. Excuse me. That's another misnomer. We call it harvested. Some folks used to say primed. We called it cropped. So you crop the tobacco off, and you put it in early days. It was a sled that was probably pulled by a mule, and then it was pulled by a tractor, and then it was a cart. It was taken to the barn, and at the barn, normally mostly women and a couple of guys were at the barn. You pull the truckload of tobacco in. You had a stand that held a tobacco stick, and you had tobacco twine, and someone would gather up leaves out of that sled or out of that cart, three or four leaves. They'd actually take that tobacco twine, and it would be sort of wrapped around that handful of tobacco and slid down to the side of the stick. And then you would take another three or four leaves and you loop it around and you slide it down on the other side of that stick. And so when you get finished, you've got a stick of tobacco been looped by tobacco twine, tied off, and then they carry it inside. And obviously they poke it up in the barn to be cured. Started off with uh, sleds, likely? Years ago, they had a sled and it was probably pulled by a mule or whatever and, you know, just through the field. And you had folks outside on either side of that sled that were cropping tobacco. They'd get an armful and step over and lay it in the sled, go get another armful. It was all done by hand. Are you trying to lead me to believe that you started in farming before the invention of the wheel? My grandfather had sleds. And I barely, I, I think I do remember a sled, but probably whenever I was Five or six years old, most everybody had a, a farm all or Alice Chalmer one row. Uh, it was a one row tractor and a, and they had a tobacco truck. 
That's what they called it. It was a cart, a tobacco truck that was towed behind that tractor. And, uh, and you just kind of made your way down that, you know, between the, the, what we would call a fifth row. You've had four, four rows of tobacco, a fifth row, which was not planted, and four rows of tobacco. A little history lesson there. And I know jog the memory of a lot of folks, 50-plus in North Carolina. While I got you, Jeff, I need your expertise to know, are you in or are you out on certain state fair entrees? If it's pork or chicken, I'm in for certain. Yeah. <laughs> That's no doubt about it. But All right. You go ahead. Bacon, mac, and cheese sundae on croissant. You know, I think that's a good one. I, I would be in on that. I'd try at least a couple of bites of that. I'm with you on that. Deep fried Korean sushi roll. <laughs> How can it be sushi if you fry it? <laughs> exactly. I'd give it a crack. I'd give it a crack. That sounds interesting. <laughs> this one sounds dang delicious. Deep fried cinnamon apple bread pudding bites. No doubt about it. That's oh, a winner. Yeah. That's got to be a winner right there. Ostrich smash burger. You know, I love ostrich. And, I do uh, as well. If you add a little bacon to it, there's no doubt it's a winner. With ostrich and the same thing with uh, alligator, right? I mean, it's super lean meat, so a little bacon it all, with it. It all tastes like chicken at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, I, I, so I've heard. All <laughs> right, now this one could be questionable for you. A taste of vegan, vegan burger, vegan chicken nuggets. I, I'm out. I can't help you with that. Pulled pork mac and cheese Danish. No doubt about it. Forget about the Danish, but the pulled pork and mac. That's another winner. I don't know about this. Bacon-wrapped candied jalapeno pimento cheese sandwich. You know, that's got to be good. I don't know about I'd that. I'd try it. I, I don't know about that one. And finally, dill pickle donut. And it, by the way, it is just that. It's a frosted donut with dill pickle and cream cheese. I, I, no disrespect to the folks over at Mount Olive Pickle, but I would pass. Do you know one of the best donuts I've had in my life was at Voodoo Donut in Portland, Oregon. It was like a finger donut with maple syrup frosting and a piece of crispy bacon across the top. Oh, man, it was good. I bet it would be. Yeah, oh. Well, it had bacon on it. Sweet and savory. That'll do it. That's right. By the way, they don't serve that donut in California anymore. Well, they can't. (laughs) (laughs) The bacon didn't grow up in the right stall. That's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. Listen to the program on 96.3 or 103.7, Mondays at 6.30 in the morning or 6 o'clock at night. You can also subscribe to our longer podcast version free on Apple or Spotify on your smartphone. Or download the IBX Media app. Details on all that and links to our sponsors on our website, agandnc.com. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, first choice insurance partners in the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. Make it a great week, Jeff. Take care, Dan.